Yeah. Well, tonight we're going to shift a little bit in uh, moving forward in what our Tuesday nights are going to be about. So I'm going to be preaching less and we're going to be praying more. Okay, and uh, really just in uh, in uh, praying about as we're coming in this year and needing to change in, in areas that you do and, and being in a church for a long time. We've been here now 27 years and you do certain things. We've had midweek services every Tuesday night for 27 years and midweek service is just a more casual Sunday night service. I mean, Sunday morning service or whatever. So we we still do. We sing a song, we worship and then, you know, we just go home. But on Sundays, it's really hard to have time to pray with people, to minister to people and to pray with one another to encourage one another there's just not enough time in individual services really to be given and Jesus said this he said my house shall be called a house of prayer not a house of preaching not a house of singing all those things are good but he said predominantly my house shall be called a house of prayer and so as a church we talk about prayer we preach about prayer we write about prayer we do everything about prayer but we probably spend very little time praying most churches give more time to announcements than they do to prayer Amen. So if you look at that, you think in the service, you think, okay, how long, if you go to an average church service, how long do we spend time in prayer? So look at our Sunday morning service. We come in and we sing about God. We do all that. And between the end of the song and taking an offering, we pray over our wall. And we don't really pray together. Sean or whoever or myself, whoever is leading, leads us in prayer. And we say amen at the end. How we doing? <laughs> so did we have a prayer service? Absolutely not. We had a prayer that we said amen to. But we don't pray together. So if you add that into a service, we're here for 90 minutes and we gave 90 seconds to prayer. And then at the end, if we have an altar call, well, we'll pray for whatever the needs are that come forward. But did we pray together as a body? Did we have corporate prayer? Absolutely not. How we doing? And Jesus said, my house shall be called what? House of prayer. So how much time are we giving to prayer? So far, not much. Are we doing okay? And so then you begin to look at that. So how do you do that? Well, you can only do what you give time to. And the problem is with most of us preachers, we think what we have to say is more important than what we say to God. I give it what I need to tell you is more important than, what you, than you talking to God. Or us praying together, speaking to the Father. Are you with me? But greater things happen when we come together and pray. How I many know Peter was in prison and the church wasn't preaching, the church was praying? And they were praying for Peter to be let loose. They were praying for his deliverance. And then the Lord opened the prison, let him out. And then they come up, Peter comes up, knocks on the door, hey, I'm here. But they're in there and they go, wait a minute, we're praying for you. You can't be here. But amazing things happen when the church prays. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And so it's hard to get people to transition. But I'm believing, God, that we could turn a service into a service that would be powerful, that would be transforming, that we could take time to worship and pray and 
prophesy and see miracles happen. Amen? Because we give time to it. So this is what I wrote over. I said, this is the night where we open our hearts and worship to the Father, then pray in the Spirit and the understanding. Pray for our marriages, our healing, salvation, provision, relationship, and every other need to be met in Jesus' name. Believing that we can release the prophetic flow of God's Spirit in the house for miracles to take place. How many would agree? We could do that. Believing the promise of seeing his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so talking about it is one thing. Pressing into it is another. Amen? So time for the kingdom and the power and authority to reign in God's house again. And time again for his house to be called a house of prayer. Praise the Lord. So look at the cover of your outline, if you would. And I just got a few moments here this evening. So every Tuesday night, we're just going to keep on on our theme on prayer. We'll give a short exhortation on prayer. And then we're going to pray one for another. If you have a need in your life, there's areas that people are going through. Let's come together. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for these situations up here. So every one of us, if we we don't have a need, then every one of us can give time to praying over the over these sins. How many know everything on this prayer wall is the will of God? How many know it's God's will that marriages would be saved, healed, and restored? How many know it's God's will for healing? Amen. So the Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, so we can pray for marriages, we can pray for healing, we can pray for salvation, we can pray for provision. Amen. And you can pray for one another and we can pray for relationships to be restored. So all those things, plus any other personal need that anybody might have. You're out there on your outline, but open your Bibles back up to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And this is what will happen. If we'll begin to pray and God begins to move, we'll pack this place out. Because people will come for answers. Amen. People won't come just for another message, but they'll come for an answer. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I think they should just come for another message because I am a dynamic preacher. But problem is, after you hear dynamic a long time, it just becomes common. You think I'm kidding. All right, moving right along. Luke chapter 11, it came, verse 1, it came to pass as he was what? So what was Jesus doing? He was praying. In a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your what? Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then what give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one father i thank you this evening as we shift gears and change the course of what you desire to do in our lives i pray by your holy spirit for an impartation this evening and a transformation in your house, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. I'm praying over you and for every one of us that we get a revelation on who the Father is. Really coming into that in your relationship. I put this back on your outline for this evening too. And, uh, and in this, 
um, I, I just want you to hear this and to see it. You can read it out loud with me if you want. Father, today I declare with confident assurance that my Father knows me, hears me, and loves me with an everlasting love. Today I choose to walk in the confidence that comes from knowing the love that the Father has for me, that He has set His desire upon me, that I am the object of His love every moment of every day, in every season, and through every circumstance of my life. His mercy covers me, His grace provides for me, and His love directs my steps every day of my life. How many believe that? matter what your father loves you you know you you can you can see that in the natural you can see children just you, you, we've all seen it you've known that you've seen people whose children and you've seen children who don't have a father in their home and don't have that covering you've seen children who do and you see the difference in their demeanor in their actions, in their attitude. Children who know that they have a father who is covering them, who is protecting them, who is watching over them, who is providing them, have a whole different uh, a character and a, and, and a demeanor about them. Children who have that uncertainty, who don't have that covering, they carry themselves differently. In the kingdom of God, it's the same for us. When you understand that your father loves you, and that Jesus came to bring you into this relationship with your heavenly Father, it changes everything. Amen? You are God's children. Hallelujah. Amen. This really is the family of God. Amen? So I, I just left this in here one more time because I want you to hear what Charles Spurgeon says, and then we're going to dive right into this. There are many ways by which a true believer can draw near to God. Foremost amongst these is communion or that converse which man holds with God in which our mutual secrets are revealed. Think about that. God will, t will listen to your secrets, and he will tell you his secrets. The Bible says that when you pray, any man, when he prays in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, he that prays in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men, but he speaks to God. How is it in the Spirit? He speaks mysteries. So God reveals the mysteries of heaven and speaks mysteries to you and through you. He reveals his secrets to you and I. Amen. Think about that. God, God, God said to this in Amen. God, God said, I, I will do nothing in the earth unless I reveal it first to my servant, the prophet. Do you know that the spirit of prophecy is upon each and every believer? Now, the anointing, the Holy Spirit is upon you. God wants to reveal things to you. That's why Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show you things to come. Prophecy is the declaration of things to come. Are you getting this? Think about it. So, mutual secrets are revealed. Our hearts being open to him, his heart being manifested to us. Here it is, we see the invisible and hear the unutterable. Wow. This is a golden gate of fellowship, the royal road upon which our feet delight to read. Remember when Paul said, I knew a man caught up into the third heavens. Whether it was in the body or not, I don't know. I, just, I was just caught up. And I saw things that I can't even utter. I heard and I saw things that I can't talk about. And you go, yeah, but that was Paul. I, my Bible says God is no respecter of person. See, 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 I said that we disenfranchise ourselves from the love of God. Never 
Cut yourself out. You are God's only child. You're an only child with God. There are no other favorite children. God sees everybody exactly the same. Yeah, but Paul was an apostle. No, he was a son, and so are you. We're sons and daughters of God. Amen? And if he would show Paul that, the only difference was, is Paul fellowship with his father. See, pressing it, it's relationship. You have to press into relationship. Amen? All right. Watch that. See, this is where we begin to understand that prayer is used as a means of drawing near to God. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 30, listen, it says, I and my Father are one. Come on, that needs to be our declaration, that we so get to know the Father that we become one together. That's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? And that should be the same. As I, as I was worshiping over here while we are just praying, uh, that, that, that verse 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14 says, says that God always leads us in triumph. And as he leads us in triumph, that, that we carry the aroma of him with us, that we make the aroma of his presence known everywhere. Now, how many, how many what, what happens to you when you sit by the campfire? You come away smelling like... Smoke. And, and so people know that you've been around the campfire because you smell like the fire. Well, see, when we spend time with the presence, we'll start, get, we'll start smelling like God. You, you get time in this presence, you start smelling. Uh, my, my, my friend Darwin Benjamin and, that, and, and, and uh, I, I saw him at the men's conference and he's walking out. And I said, Darwin, and he comes up. But he wears this really strong cologne. And I hugged him, and his cheek just touched mine. And the rest of the evening, I smelled like Darwin. <laughs> Amen. Be because we, we, we had embraced one another, we'd come in contact. Now, now see, if he'd have walked by, I, I, I'd have smelt his fragrance. But because we made contact, I carried his fragrance. Did you get, are you getting this right here? See, it's one thing when God just passes by, but it's another thing when we make contact and now we carry his fragrance with us. Oh, my goodness. Woo! I'm, I'm done right now. All right. Look inside. John chapter 17 and verse 6, Jesus said, I have manifested your name. Wow. To the men whom you have given me out of the world, they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, a little bit, this is a tag team off of Sunday morning and knowing the Father and just carrying this theme. But let's see, we have a world that says, the name of my God is Buddha, the name of my God is Bubba, the name of my God is Krishna, the name of my God is Confucius, the name of my God is Muhammad, the name of my God is Allah. The name of your God is Father. God went from just being God to his name is Father. Your father's name isn't Bill, Bubba, whatever, it's Father. That you can call him Father. Are you with me? And Jesus says, Father, I've manifested your name. Verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them through what? Your name. What is his name? 
father. So as their father, keep them as their father. Your father, Jesus is praying to the father to keep you the same way the father has kept him. Are you getting this? Wow. Keep through your name those who you have given to me that they may be what? One as we are one. This is what Jesus said in John 10. The Father and I are one. Jesus is praying that you and I would be one with our Father in the same way that he is with our Father. You have to see and to believe that is what it means when you come into Christ. You come into relationship with your heavenly Father. Amen. And being, oh my goodness. There's going to come a time in this next few months ahead of us, this is going to explode in our church. This is literally going to explode within you. And it's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. I'll just prophesy to you right now. You just watch. So look what he said, verse 25 and 26. Oh, righteous what? Now, are you getting it? This is the son praying to who? And he's not calling him God. He's not calling him the high and lefty one. He's calling him who he is. This is the son of God praying to his father. And you are now the children of God. Look what he's saying. Father, oh righteous father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known have have known you that sent have known that you sent me and I have declared to them your name what's his name father. father wow and i will declare it that the love which you have loved me may what now listen this is the last prayer this is john chapter 70 this is what we call jesus's high priestly prayer his last prayer for us and look at how he's praying that those who were with him would know God as their father the same way he knew the father. And like I said Sunday morning, that, that when you're on the cross, you could say, Father, into your hand. Now, think about the worst possible scenario, the situation that you could be in. It's nothing compared to Calvary. Nothing compared to the cross. And Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father. I trust you even in this. Wow. Glory to God. And Jesus is praying, Father, I'm praying they know you like that. They know you like that. I'm praying for us that we know him like that. Amen. That the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. So we read John chapter 11. I'm just saying that. Let's get this. <clears throat> because Jesus started with our Father. So I just wanted to give you a couple verses and break this out. In this prayer that we just read, Jesus directs us to key principles that must be seen and understood before our prayers will impact our life with a heaven on earth. I'm going to walk you just through these first three. Our Father, thy kingdom, and thy will. Watch this. Our Father. In true worship, the Father must, first, must be first and must be all. In true worship, the Father must be the object of our worship. Nothing else. Not music. Worship isn't about how you feel when the music plays. Worship is about the Father being glorified through your life. Are you with me? Okay. The sooner we lose our desire 
and come to desire only him that he may be glorified, then the riches of his grace overflow our life. See, that place where we just desire nothing more than the secret place with the Father. All I want is him. I just want to glorify him. I want something out of my life. See, listen to what Jesus, listen to Jesus. Father, I have glorified you. I have glorified you. Worship glorifies the Father. Amen? So when we do that, that grace of God overflows our life. No one ever loses by what we sacrifice for the Father. What does that mean? Nothing I let go makes me second or second best. Amen. You never lose anything that we sacrifice to the Father. When, when Paul wrote, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. You can't lose your life giving your life to the Father. It's, it's impossible. Amen. So this must influence all of our prayer. What does that mean? It's not that he has heard us, but have we heard him? What's that mean? Your father wants to meet you in the secret place. And he sees you and he'll answer you. Another way to say that, Pastor Glimberto said it like this. The highest level of worship is not when you feel God, but when he feels you. That's so powerful. It's not about... Do I see we want to do something until we feel God because we, we want the feeling of his presence. We want that. And that's powerful. I, I love the anointing. That, but and that's awesome. And we need that. But the question is, I got a feeling. But what did God feel while I was getting my feeling? Do you understand that? If you're married, I won't go there, but you would understand that. In relationships. Because worship is intimacy. And intimacy is mutual. It's not singular. Do you understand what I'm saying? There, there, there's a reason God gave us intimacy between a man and a woman. So we would know what union with the Father is to be like. All right. And then Jesus says, he says, say our father. So my worship take me there and then thy kingdom. This is a perspective that we need. Let's talk about praying. So first of all, my prayer is all about the father, not about me. I want him to feel my, it, it, get, get the, if God feels my presence, it is a guarantee I will feel his presence. But if I'm waiting to feel him before he feels me, I could be waiting a long time. Amen. I miss it. If I make him the preeminent one, if I desire to bless him in, in marriage, what's that mean? Is that if, if, we're, if we're seeking to minister to our spouses and, and bless our and, and prefer one before the other to always prefer the other above ourselves? How many know you're always blessed? All right. Thy kingdom come is a perspective we need. The Father is a king and has a kingdom. Sons and daughters, the son and the heir of a king has no higher ambition 
than the glory of his father's kingdom. Why? Because a son knows I'm an heir of the kingdom. I don't need to build my own kingdom. I need to exalt my father's kingdom. I need to support and build the father's kingdom because I'm the heir of all that is his. I don't have to isolate, go over here and, and establish my new little kingdom. The father's kingdom is my inheritance. And so the son seeks no greater glory than the promotion of his father's kingdom. So I said, come your kingdom. Look at Luke 20, 12, 22 through 39. Look at that. And do not seek <coughs> what you should eat, what you should drink. Now, let, let, write, write this down you know, before I read that verse. Write this down. You know. His kingdom comes when your kingdom dies. The kingdom of God won't come to my life until my kingdom dies. As long as I'm working on my kingdom and I'm praying about my kingdom and I'm seeking my kingdom and my, and my prayers about my life and my need, and, and instead of saying, our Father, your kingdom, instead of making my focus his kingdom, when Jesus says, seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. So when I'm seeking his kingdom first, everything flows out of seeking his. Every, everything I think I need in my kingdom is already in his. <laughs> I'm telling you, in the next couple months, <laughs> this is going to explode in our lives. It, it, it's, it's transformational. Stay with me. Okay, so his kingdom comes when our kingdom dies. Okay, Luke 12. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should wear or, or, or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your knows that you... What? Okay, well, your father knows. Look, you're seeking for things your father knows you need. Okay, let's get the picture. Your eight-year-old comes up to you. Dad, I need some school clothes. My bike needs new tires. New shoes would be cool. Um, I need to get a job. I won't be around the house much. I'm going to get a job. So I can get some new clothes, new tires on the bike, some new shoes. You won't be seeing me much around the house because I'm going to be out taking care of my needs. You'd look at your eight-year-old and you'd say, son, I'm your father. That's my job, not yours. You know what I mean? So when you are taking care of all your needs and you have no time for the house. All right, moving right along. Your father knows that you know all these things, but seek what? The kingdom of God and all these what? Things shall be added to you. Now watch. Do not fear little flock. 
I like the way Luke says it, even over Matthew. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's. Everybody say father's. It is your father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. What kingdom? Not your. The king. Thy kingdom come. Your will be. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if I could just stop back up the bus, get out and say, Father. And just press into his presence to where I know that he has felt me. And then say, Lord, whatever your, I'm here to fulfill and to serve your will. I'm here as my Lord Jesus was here. Father, your, not my will, but yours be done. And then the kingdom comes. Wow. Are you with me? So he says, thy will be done. Now watch this. Because the will of God is the glory part of heaven. I'm sorry for my typo. Doing his will is the blessing of heaven upon our lives. Think about it. The will of God is the glory of heaven. What's being done in heaven? The Father's will, God's will. Is there any problem? Is, is it hindered in any way in heaven? The will of Father is, has no hindrances in heaven. So Jesus, they said, Lord, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, pray, your Father, because He's waiting for you in a secret place, and then bring yourself in submission to His kingdom. And his will. And whatever is happening in heaven with your father will begin to happen in your life on earth. All right. Amen. I've been enjoying listening to myself preach these messages. It's doing something in my life. Because the will of God is the glory of heaven. Now, let, let me just, let, let me just, let, let me help you here. Because even in, 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 in thinking, how much faith does a child have to have in their father? Huh? Well, yeah, but, but, but think, as children with their fathers, we really don't think, kids, your kids not thinking about, I wish I had more faith than my dad. They just do. Kids believe their parents. They believe in the goodness of their parents. And yet we think, if I just had more faith, my heavenly father would love me more. Your kids don't think like that. Where'd you get that stupid thought? Let's go, let's go back to Sunday morning. Where are you in your thinking, and who have you been listening to? The problem is we listen to religious thoughts instead of God's word. All right, moving right along. Write this down. Write this down. Friday at the golf course, I, I played in the golf tournament for the men's conference and stuff, and uh, Pastor Glenn Berteau was there, and uh, he, he spoke to the, the, the guys that played and said, did a little, little interview and talk, and, and, and he says, you know what? God needs to deliver us from opinion idolatry. Right, write, write it down. Opinion idolatry. 
You know what opinion idolatry is? It's when you hear the word and you say, yeah, I know the Bible says that, but. You know, I think this is what I think. The moment you say this is what I think and it's other than what the word of God literally says, that's your opinion and that is now your idolatry. God does not respond to opinion idolatry. He only responds to his word. I wrote that down. I said, man, that is really good. <laughs> I take notes everywhere I go. But you think, okay, look, 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 look. People go, why do we have so many denominations? Why do we have so many different sects of belief and viewpoint? Because they're all opinions about what this book said. Every, it's all based upon opinions of interpretation instead of just what the book says. People go, are you a faith guy? It's in the Bible. Are you a grace guy? It's in the Bible. I'm an all-Bible thing. I'm also an obedience guy. I'm also a holiness guy. I'm everything in the Bible. We're, the whole, we're a whole book people, amen? We're, we're a cover to cover, lid to lid, Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end. That's who we are. We believe it all. We're not favorite word people. We're whole word people. Amen. And so my opinion, my opinion, I'm not allowed an opinion. Amen. How many correct your children when they get too opinionated? Amen. Well, you get too opinionated with God and you'll understand Hebrews chapter 12 because you're, you'll experience the chastising of the Lord. And it becomes your will again. How many, how many raised a strong-willed child? One of your children was stronger willed than all the others. Amen? Amen. How many were not afraid to use the rod of correction? Because <laughs> rebellion's bound the heart of a child and the rod would drive it far from him. Now watch this. Just get God's picture. God has multitudes of strong willed children. <laughs> we're all strong willed children. We're God. This is good stuff tonight. All right, now stay with me. Well, here we go. His will. Everything in heaven, doing His will, is the blessing of heaven upon our lives. The will of God is the glory of heaven. Doing His will is the blessing of heaven upon our lives. As His will is done, the kingdom of heaven comes into our hearts. Think about it. everything on this wall is the will of God. Everything on there. We can pray for that. We can believe for that. Amen. All right. I have to finish this and we're going to pray. Now get this. Don't forget this. Wherever faith has accepted the father's love, obedience accepts the father's will. Here's what happened today. If we preach the gospel for everybody to accept the love of God, but we don't tell them they need to obey the Father's will. Faith accepts the love of God, but obedience accepts the will of God. And so look what, watch. Jesus said, our Father, your kingdom, and your will. Before any provision flow, if you don't get those three right, if that is out of order, there's no provision. He gave us order, and then he gave us provision. All right. Here we go. We surrender to and pray 
for a life of heaven-like obedience. How many know God doesn't have to argue or wait on people's responses in heaven? God waits on will here. He waits on our will. See, that's why, that's why we're called people of free will. And we, God gave us a right to exercise our will. Wisdom is when your will takes a powder and you choose his will over your will. Are you with me? And you feel God's will is great. That, that, that's, all, that's why Paul said, I am a bond slave. I could go free and run my own life. No, my, I'm better being a servant of God the rest of my life to be his bond slave, a love slave of God, serving his will, never having my own will, just doing the will of my master. My life is better being a love slave to my master than any independent life I would ever have on my own. But we think somehow we can love God in our heart and live an independent life but then over here in our independent life it all gets messed up and then we come back to oh God can you help me well the answer is in the house but then all right I can't preach this much I want to get to prayer watch this in this prayer we see divine perfection three is the number of divine perfection you'll see it everywhere in the Bible look at Jesus said in his name the Father, His kingdom, the Son, His will, the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you find out that, that, that there's one God, the, the, the administration of God, the gift, and then one Lord over all, and they all work by the will of the Spirit. Are you with me? So there's the Father, there's the kingdom, and then there's the will, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And so once you get those three in order... Once you get divine order of Father, kingdom, and will, what's the next thing Jesus says? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You have the assurance. When, when, when I'm right with the Father, I, I, I'm, I'm submitted in the kingdom and in the will of God, then provision, heaven, comes to earth. Woo! Amen. And then the next thing is, and forgive us what? Our debt, our sin. And, and so then provision and, and then forgiveness flows to us. And, the, and then our response after receiving is to give forgiveness. So look at that. So there's the first three. His name, his kingdom, his will. And then our need, our debt, and our response. And we keep those three in order. Because if I cut off and say, well, I want my sins forgiven. I just don't want to forgive Katie. I don't want to forgive Robin. I don't want to forgive this. Well, well then, my sin, it, it, it bounces everything back up. And we have justified unforgiveness in our lives. We have justified resentment. But, but see, bitterness and resentment and offense is a soul sickness. And we want to be healed in our body, but we're sick in our soul. And we don't want to get healed in our soul. We just want God to heal our body. I don't want to give up my unforgiveness. I want to keep my soul contaminated. But it's a contamination of the bitterness in your heart that's reflecting a sickness in your body. And God can't heal your body till he heals your soul. All right, moving right along. How come I haven't got my healing? Sometimes it's because we need to be healed in our souls as much as in our bodies. And so then what's the result when we get it right? We are now delivered. Watch it. And then delivers. The end result is 
is that we're delivered from temptation and the influence of the devil from the evil one and victorious living is now ours with the father amen did you get what jesus said our father heart in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come first in my heart let your kingdom rule over my and when the kingdom comes in my heart and when my joy as a son when i declare to my father and i know that my father has a kingdom and i am now a joint heir with the lord jesus christ and i am a heir of the kingdom that kingdom is greater than anything of this world. I'm no longer shackled by the minimal kingdom of this world. I'm connected to the kingdom of heaven. Now my will is to honor my father in his kingdom. Glory to God. Otherwise, he gives me daily my bread. Where's it going to come from? How's it going? It's, it's awesome to watch heaven come to earth. And then what's it? He sets me free from all guilt, from, from all shame. What did the what, what does the prodigal experience with the father? The prodigal returns to the father. What's he run out to? When he comes back to the father, said, "Father, I'm, I'm no longer to be called a, a son, but to be your servant." What does the father do? He forgives his debt. Look at it. he forgives his debt. He, he he gives him. He covers him, and and he, and he said, "Go go go uh, go go." kill the fatted cow he breaks out he meets the need in the son he covers the debt of his sin and then the son walks and receives forgiveness and walks in that forgiveness glory to god all right are you ready to pray i'm ready to spend the last few moments tonight together praying together i need to make even shorter notes i thought man i could do these in 20 minutes next week it'll be shorter we're gonna pray more well, we prayed more at the beginning, so we're, we're, we're ahead. Put, it, put everything out of your hand. Amen. Come on, we're just going to go to the Father. Amen. And tonight, if you have a need in your life, you can come and we'll pray for you.